And if you tuned into the last podcast, is it tuned in? I guess if it's podcast, it's not really tuning in. Whatever. Uh, if you listened to the last podcast, you heard me talk about the fact that I can't play any music, essentially, that isn't license-free on the podcast. But I think I found a little loophole because I actually did play a song that Jack sent to me in an email once as it was just a demo version of one of his songs called Long Day. And tonight what I'm going to do is actually play a tune for you that I don't believe has been published by Violet yet. She put it up, I mean, published in the sense of making it licensed with all of the BMIs and ASCAP licensing entities, the people that actually track this stuff. Uh, But she did post this new song as a video. It was a part of our Best of the Quarantine special that we aired on KBIA. And you can also still listen to any of our episodes that has the actual music featured in it at BigMoneyMusicHour.com. So if you want to hear the radio version, check out BigMoneyMusicHour.com. But anyway, she she just released this song as a video recently, so I don't think it's it's uh, been through the ringer with BMI and ASCAP and the licensing entities, so should be license-free. Therefore, I'm going to play it for you right here. And the song is called Tired. It's original music by Violet Vonderhaar on the Big Money Music Hour. Too fast, moving too slow. At this point, I don't even know. And what is life without you, my love? And can we ever do? so long since I held you to my breast I hope that you are doing your best How is your heart? Can you feel it beat? And do you ever think
The Big Money Music Hour is presented by Les Bourgeois Vineyards located in Rocheport, Missouri. Les Bourgeois has been a mid-Missouri winery for more than three decades with over 20 different wines ranging in style and sweetness. Les Bourgeois Vineyard wines are available at your local retailer and online at MissouriWine.com. Support also comes from Mount Nebo Inn and Guide Service located across from Meriwether Cafe and the Katy Trail in Rocheport, Missouri. Mount Nebo Inn offers lodging, a space for events, and boat-guided wine tours of the Missouri River. For more information, visit mountneboinn.com. Support also comes from Ozark Mountain Biscuit Company, offering southern-style sandwiches from their food truck and take-and-bake buttermilk biscuits in the freezer section of Columbia-area Hy-Vee's, Clover's, and the Root Cellar. More information at ozarkmountainbiscuits.com. And finally, support also comes from Withrow Electric. For decades, the professional electricians at Withrow Electric have offered commercial and residential electrical contracting. Whether it is wiring a new home or changing a light fixture, Withrow Electric answers the call. For more information, visit withrowelectric.com. Pleased as punch to have Miss Violet Vonderhaar in the KBIA studios with me. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having me. We met each other, I think it was like seven years ago now. At least, yeah. Which it it seems like a fair amount of time, but the reality is, is I had heard your name through so many different various circuits for a very long time because uh, aside from the fact that you're out there and playing shows for a long period of time prior to us meeting, you were out singing songs in front of people when you were just a little kid. Yeah, yeah. My first performance was age nine at the Earth Day Columbia celebration. Yeah, I I saw I saw footage of that, and you know it's it's funny because it, it's it's really true. Like your name had been 
bouncing around the scene for a long time and uh, immediately you had really uh, made an impact locally. Tell me about those early days for you, starting off with your performance at Earth Day mm-hmm. and then leading into, you know, like what, what were your your adolescent days like in terms of your musical journey? Um, I, I mean, I've always been drawn to music. I've been songwriting really since I could form words. It wasn't until I picked up the guitar around age nine and 10 that I really started taking it more seriously and understanding it more fully. Um, so yeah, I performed at Earth Day with uh, Lee Ruth, who's a local singer-songwriter and guitar teacher, musician, and um, he accompanied me. And I remember standing there with my hands to my side and just feeling a little a little awkward, like I needed to do something with my hands. So it was right after that performance, I said, okay, I, I need to learn the guitar. And so I picked up the guitar and I took lessons from Lee for nine years. And um, and throughout that, that time period, I just wrote as many songs as I possibly could. I grew up in rural Missouri and um, was kind of an outcast where I went to school. And so music was an outlet for me to process everything, everything from, you know, feeling isolated, but also um, inspired by local musicians that were coming through. I grew up near Lupus, Missouri, where there's um, actually, for a population of 29, there's actually a pretty big music scene there. Um, thanks to Doug Ely, who's the owner of the Lupus General Store, and he brings in artists through there. So a lot of my um, early inspiration and, um, yeah, my early inspiration came from artists that were coming through there. So That's so cool. So when did you, when, when was your first release? When was the first time that you actually put out something recorded for the world to hear? My first professional release was uh 16 i was yeah i was 16 years old called shades of violet before that i did uh, record a full-length album in a friend's basement you know and i just recorded it or i burnt it on the computer and gave it to a couple of friends and stuff Rip so that some was cds yeah yeah some bootlegs <laughs> on the banks of the river was the name of that first album and actually there was only one original song on that one and that because that was right at the beginning of my journey of of songwriting and so between that which was about age 13 to age 16 I wrote you know 40 50 songs and so I narrowed that down about I think I put 17 songs 16 songs on that first album I was a little ambitious but so you mentioned you know growing up in lupus and lupus really is kind of another world whenever you step into it even for off the beat Missouri towns. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, you're not familiar with lupus or you're not from the area, if you're ever in the area, you should definitely check it out because it just has a very, it's, it's a quirky vibe yeah. all its own. You yeah, know, there's, there's a magic to it. There's definitely, and I think part of that has to do with the river. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The river is, has such a huge piece of the identity there. Mm-hmm. So I can see why it was a really good environment for mm-hmm. you to develop as a musician. Now, you wouldn't have been able to do the things you do without having a really great support structure Absolutely. with your family. So I, you know, can imagine that Patty and Reed were were cheering you on the whole way. Yeah, yeah. Both of my parents are all—they're both very creative people. Um, my father is a riverboat captain, and so um, it was a definitely unique upbringing. He'd be on the river; it still is. Uh, hopefully, retiring soon. But he's on the river every other month, and so um, between that and my mom, who is a um, stay-at-home mother, who was just an incredible, is an, an incredible master gardener and just really creative person all around. She really um, cultivated a space where I could where I could be creative, and supported me through that. And that's the thing too is your family is so creative. Yeah, and we we're 
aside from music, tied to each other in a lot of different ways. Yeah. You know, and I've I've seen your parents' house. I've been out there, and talking about otherworldly <laughs> yeah. and creativity. Yeah, your parents created something out there that is unlike anything I've ever seen. It's Absolutely, truly. Uh, unique in ways that I can't even don't even feel like I'm adept to describe right Mm -hmm. now on the radio Uh, (laughs) tell me a little bit about the space that your your parents created out there in the bottoms oh when they when they first met they both were in St. Louis they grew up in in the city and they both had a dream of finding a place in the country and making something beautiful and so their entire uh, marriage has been that been creating that that space, um, this vision that they both had that really brought them together. And so when they moved out to the country, they found this really small farmhouse um, that was, I think, what, one room, maybe one or two rooms. And uh, and so since then, it's been expanded upon and expanded upon. And, you know, when dad's when dad would come home from from the river, that's what he was doing. He was he was building the house and and dreaming and coming up with insane ideas and <laughs> making them happen from a fish tank and a rock wall to um, these giant uh, Osage orange beams that line the stair the staircase the um, to a labyrinth to, down yeah, by the creek to a labyrinth and most recently my mother uh, has fulfilled a lifelong dream of, of building a cabin which is called Patty's place and it's actually available for rent now so yeah actually I was just yeah. thinking that we should definitely give give <laughs> Patty's out. place a plug because yeah. People, you can actually go see this place that we're describing, and you can tell us uh, in retrospect how we were right in its otherworldly beauty. Yeah. Uh, it's totally worth checking out. Patty's Place is this really quaint, small cabin, mm-hmm. kind of almost like a tiny home situation that is outside of Violet's parents' house, and it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, you can, uh, you can go to pattysplacemo.com to learn more and check out some pictures and stuff. Yeah, check it out. There you go, Patty. There's your plug. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're going to be getting to your relationship with your father in particular, mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of the imagery and the symbolism that's inherent in the music that you write ties back to the river. And it's not just because you live by the river, right. but the river is literally how your family survived. Yeah. Because your father has been a riverboat captain navigating barges up and down the Missouri and Mississippi rivers your entire life, I think it makes complete sense that that's part of your musical persona mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So with your father, he'd be when he goes out, he's gone for a long time, yeah. right? Now, t- tell me about family life. How long was he, is he gone for whenever he's out on the boat? Well, for, there was a while when we were young that um, it was he'd be out for a month and then he'd only be home for three weeks and that I remember that being even harder but generally now it's he, now that he's kind of at the top of the top of his of his, uh, his game he's he can kind of make his schedule a little bit more um, have more control over it but generally it's month out and month home it's almost yeah. like being out on tour right exactly <laughs> exactly and that's it with this um we put out a new album last year called the captain and the evolution of that was kind of me um having this realization of how parallel our lives are in many ways in that sense of, you know, feeling that, that pull to something else and, and that drive to, you know, originally for him, it was, it was a deep passion. I I didn't want to, you know, make it clear too that he was really, and still is passionate about the river, but as you do something that you're passionate about more and more, it can become more of a job, you know? And I think that that has definitely 
happened more in the last 10, 15 years, but it's like you said, what, um, it's what sustained us. It, it's what paid for everything. And so there is, it's an interesting dynamic and relationship. And that's something that I try to be really careful with, with my music as well, to make sure I'm still enjoying it. Um, and that, it, that it's not becoming a job, you know, creating that safe space for it to still be magic and, you know, find that passion within it. So you bring up The Captain, the album that you all put out last year. Mm-hmm. It actually spun, meant to be, on the very first episode of the Big Money Music Hour. Cool. And, I, you know, I'm a huge admirer of what you do. But The Captain really is something special. It's essentially a concept album. Right. And aside from just having a really cohesive project that I know you all spent years essentially Mm -hmm. cultivating and you came out on the other side of it with this really great musical project and it's 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 really a a, can should be viewed as a piece the the songs by themselves are really good but it's definitely an album that I think you need to listen to from front to back it was funny I saw I was at a Grace Potter show recently and she talked about that how in this day and age record executives will like to tell you that people don't have long attention spans. And mm-hmm. so you just need to take your best songs and put them at the front. Right. And she she uh, was bemoaning that and talking about how she still believes in the album yeah. in that there should be a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I definitely think that your the album, The Captain, fits into that mold. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about just working through that concept and cultivating it because it even goes beyond the music you actually right. did the artwork mm-hmm. that is is in the record and they pressed it to vinyl folks do you still have copies of that oh yeah we've okay got buy this record if you own a record <laughs> player you buy the captain from violet and the undercurrents and uh i'm sure we'll we'll plug plug the website here in a minute yeah. but tell me about the album um well the so the overall concept is just it focuses on a character who's passionate and within that passion there's a lot of a lot of things that you have to navigate like i was saying earlier of um you know there's there's the sirens that are that are calling that are you know the shiny things in the distance which you get that a lot in the music industry like come do this and we can give you this and you know all these different things that there's no there's no manual there's no handbook that comes with being a self-employed musician and so you're just navigating your way through these waters and trying to figure out what the best direction is and so that was kind of the the overall concept for me of um be, I guess you know for essentially I was becoming the captain the captain of my own musical journey and um you know you've also got your your crew members and you got to make sure that they're on board with you and if not sometimes they got to jump ship <laughs> and um, and all the the highs and the lows you know when you're on the road it's like hours of just like sitting there and then you get out in the car and then you get to load all this crap and then you got to put all your energy into this like one hour time period and then you got to load it up and then you got to get back and so there's like these highs and these lows extremes and and so it's really the album for me was just a way for me to reflect on all of that and what I'd been doing you know we've been touring since 2012 and we started recording the album in 2016 2017 and so it was kind of a way for me to process and reflect upon everything that I had done up to that point as a band, everything that we'd done, and um, and to really create this character that was that was strong and that um, could be a leader. Well, it, it's super impressive. And as you're going through that, you're talking about how finding the right 
people to be in the band is such mm-hmm. a big part of it. Yeah, and I know you've, you've had the lineup changes and it's, right. it's difficult to keep people together and it's yeah. also difficult to find the right chemistry, mm-hmm. the right grouping of people to, to hit the right chemistry to make the best music possible. Right. And the lineup that you have right now is just stupendous and would be remiss not to talk about these ladies. And this is an all-female band. Violet's wife is the drummer. Her name is Phil Sean Johnson. Mm-hmm. And a, it, it has to be especially rewarding for you to be making the music you're making and have it be not only, not only to have Phil play a part mm-hmm. in the music, but really enhancing what yeah. you are putting forward she you it's almost like you have blood harmonies in terms of how well your vocal harmonies work together mm-hmm. but the beats that she lays down for this your music is, is just incredible. fantastic I know. just fantastic <laughs> and so, so, that has to be pretty great to it be is. able to create something so beautiful and the one that you love the most absolutely yeah um i you know it sounds cheesy but i feel like she completes me all the all the the things that i kind of lack or maybe are not my strengths are her strengths and between the two of us we really balance each other out she thinks of things that I don't think about she thinks about things a lot more analytically and you know she's the, she's the counter she's the numbers lady she packs the van she does that stuff really really well and that's what I'm terrible at so it works great I'm more the creative mind I'm living up in the clouds you know trying to think what's what's next and so um I really appreciate her her um yeah, her, her just I appreciate her being in my life and and how easy it is for us to create together, and you know especially being out on the road. That's one one difference I think that I from my father to myself is that when I'm on the road, she's with me, and so oh, you know I'm always home if she's with me, and so that is one thing that I think varies between my father being a captain and myself being a captain is I get a co-captain all the time. So. <laughs> That's really sweet. I've known Phil Sean for years, years before I, I've, I ever met Violet. Phil Sean has been around the scene forever and has always been known as one of the best drummers in mid-Missouri, period. And it's just so wonderful that the two of them get to work together in this band. But also yeah. we want to give a big shout out to Lizzie Weiland on lead guitar. She just wails. She's been, aside from playing with Violet in uh, The Undercurrents and her Jane Doe review, which we'll talk about in a little bit, she's been guesting on the Jimi Hendrix tribute shows that have been mm-hmm. happening around here, just widely known as a really fantastic guitar player. And of course, the incomparable Linda Bott on bass. Not only a bass player that hits the pocket in a really groovy way, but also a really great vocalist as well. Mm-hmm. So you just have like this power team that you're working with it must be really nice it is and the way they you know the way that all three of them came into my life was just there's no question that we're meant to be making music together we met lizzie when um we when the undercurrents first started and we had the one of our first out-of-town gigs which was in farmington missouri which for us was a big deal because we were getting out of town. But um, Lizzie was our opening act, and it was her first show she had ever played. She was 14 years old, and she was just shredding on electric guitar with her sequined shirt. She was so cute. It was just ridiculous. We're like, who is this young girl? And she didn't sing either, you know? She just, like, like shredding ACDC and all that stuff on stage. And so um, and that happened to be the first year that we were uh, starting Compass Music Camp, Phil, Sean, and I. And so we invited her back to Compass Music Camp, which is a week-long camp for the, during the summer that we teach kids how to be independent musicians. It's a rock camp, essentially. 
And um, so, yeah, so she came to our camp the first couple of years. And then a couple of years later, when we were recording a single in Nashville, um, Chasing the Sun, we asked her if she'd be interested in playing a solo on it. And the rest is history. We you know, she came in the band after that. And then Linda came into our lives when we were looking for a, a bassist after our second bassist was unavailable. Um, and I had called her and I left a message on her phone and and she, uh, I had asked, I was like, I said, you don't really know me, Phil Sean. I jammed with her like maybe once. And I said, I know you don't know me, but I'm looking for a bassist right now. I'm curious if you might be interested. And, and it turns out that that same day that I called her and left a voicemail on her phone, she was having a conversation with Pat Kay and, uh, and Pat was asking her if she had any bands that she was playing with. And she said, no, but I need to find one. And that was the same day I left that voicemail on It was meant to be. (laughs) It was absolutely meant to be. So I'm just so grateful for both of them, for all of them, and for, you know, putting their time and energy and love into the project. Uh, Isn't it nice whenever the chemistry and the the talent's just right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely makes a difference if it's not not clicking. You you bring up uh, the the Compass Music Camp, which Mm -hmm. I've had the honor of being able to teach a workshop at. Yeah. It's so cool because aside from being able to give the gift of your original music, you give the gift of music through teaching it a lot. Mm-hmm. You teach, you still teach lessons yeah. on the regular, right? Mm-hmm. And Phil does. Phil's still teaching music as well. Yeah. And you guys created this amazing camp where the youth of Columbia can really come out and not only learn how to become a better musician, but you really give them the tools to be in a band mm-hmm. and the different various aspects of what goes into that. You teach them how to book a show. You teach them about stage presence. You teach them uh, about working together with a, your bandmates. And yeah. you kids will come in there and they break off into their bands and maybe they some of them know each other, but maybe they don't. And mm-hmm. throughout the course of the week, they have to write music together and essentially perform it at a showcase at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool experience, and it's a nonprofit organization, right, right that, mm-hmm. that runs this thing. Yeah, Compass Inc. Tell, tell me a little bit about Compass Incorporated and the Compass Music Camp and what that's like for you to be able to to give that gift to Columbia. Yeah, um, Compass is kind of, it's that's Phil Sean's baby. Um, so I kind of came into it a little bit after she was really a part of it. And she came into it because she really wanted to put on this camp. She went to, she spent some time in, in New York at the Willie Mae Rock Camp for Girls. And when she was there, um, she... She really, uh, she, she really appreciated the camp, and she really loved that aspect, and she wanted to bring it back to Columbia. But and at that time, she was teaching this young boy who actually saw a documentary about the Girls Rock Camp, and he and he had a poster on his wall of it, and he said, "Man, I really wish I could go to a camp like that." And it was at that moment she decided she wanted to make a co-ed instead of just for girls. And I, you know, and I, I really, I'm really glad that she made that decision because I think now, you know, I you know, with us being an all-girl band, and I'm all about feminism, I'm all about, you know, women standing up for for themselves, but I also think that it's important for us to create a a space where we can be equals and we can play together, Um, and I think that that's one one thing that we're doing with this camp is we're we're putting all these kids on the same level. You all are musicians. You're not a female musician. You're not a male musician. You're just musicians, and you're going to make music together, And, and the camp is a place where they can start figuring that out earlier, you know, in in a place where they can have um, people to talk to if they're having frustrations. And 
Um, but it's been it's been really cool to see the the project grow. We're going into our ninth year. Last year we had the most amount of kids we've had. I think we had thirty three or thirty four campers, which was awesome. Um, but been it's been incredible seeing the artists or the kids move through. Well, they are artists uh, move through it who are now moving on and and doing really great things. The Sweaters is one of the local bands that they got their start at at camp. They they started playing together and continued after that and. They're doing big things. They're playing at True False this year again, second year in a row. Yeah, so it's just been it's been really it's been really ful- uh, fulfilling to me. That's almost more fulfilling than anything else. Is just you know to be able to pass on the lessons we've learned and maybe make their lives a little bit easier. That's, What's the website if people want to learn more about Compass and the camp? CompassColumbia.org. And there's a tab for the music camp. You can click on that. We are accepting applications now. The dates are July 13th through the 18th, 2020. Another project that I know really involved with is Jane Doe Review, which is something you started about two or three years ago. 2017. And it's an all-female rock orchestra. You guys have been really just blowing up with these shows. And it's a fundraiser, right? Every Mm -hmm. year that you do, you do three shows generally or two shows. Two shows. Um, the, one of the goals is to do three shows. We'd like to expand to St. Louis, but primarily we've just done Columbia and Kansas city. And, um, the, the first show we did, I, it was, I never really intended it for it to be an ongoing project, but the response that we had after the first show was just incredibly overwhelming and we knew we needed to continue it. But the, the initial mission was just to, you know, bring together all the female musicians that I knew and play these songs that we really loved and that we were influenced by growing up and and to honor those artists and musicians that that we had kind of idolized or you know that we loved and and it was yeah it was just a really great project and what I loved about it especially that first year was you know we were we brought in everybody from like every all these different scenes and all these different people that you know a lot of us kind of knew of but we had never been in the same room with each other and then to walk into the room and it's all all women it was just it was and uh, it's a lot when i say it's a rock orchestra it's like legitimately (laughs) like there's like 23 people in the back in the band yeah Um, it's insane you got violin and cello string section uh, horn section uh two keys and then we've got rotating drummers and bassists and guitarists and um, and then also we've got soloists that are also rotating. And so as it's grown, what what I've really loved is I've just loved seeing that there's more people that want to be a part of it. So we opened up auditions both last year and this year. This year we had 34 submissions um, from different soloists, which is great, but also it's been kind of hard because now I gotta narrow da- narrow it down because um, yeah, there's just so many so many vocalists and trying to find the right people for the right part. So it's a, it's an ongoing, it's a year-long planning process. I've been planning it since the end of last year. And If you can make that show, go see it. It is awe-inspiring. It is so cool. <laughs> uh, and I've, I've only got to see one of the Kansas City performances, but Alicia just, like, will not miss that show. I <laughs> I, I didn't get, I never get to see it because I usually have to stay home with the kids, yeah. but I'm going to have to make sure I get a sitter this year. So yeah, especially for this year. Out. It's going to be... It's gonna be a good one, and it and it all goes to support nonprofits, right? What's right. what? Which um, nonprofit does yeah, it support? Yeah, this year we're benefiting in Kansas City, uh, an organization called Veronica's Voice, and in Columbia we'll be benefiting Central Missouri Stop Human Trafficking, and both of those organizations help to um, 
to uh, help women that are either suffering from human trafficking or have been a part of human trafficking and or prostitution and are trying to get out of it. And um, yeah, they're just both really incredible and important organizations that are that are doing really great work in Missouri. That's so awesome. You know, all this at the end of the day just goes back to someone that is just active in the scene. Mm-hmm. And not only with music, but also getting involved in kids' lives and bettering their lives and teaching them the th- skills that they need to be successful in music and supporting nonprofits through things like the Jane Doe Review. But beyond that, activism is kind of in your blood, mm-hmm. really. And I, I'm coming from Reed and Patty. I'm not, I'm not surprised. But we've obviously shared the stage at different political rallies and the what's especially I think that's a big reason why I have such admiration for you at the end of the day is because that's definitely speaks to where I'm trying to come from with the the music that I put out there is not necessarily trying to shove a political statement down someone's Mm -hmm. throat but just to start a discussion right and you know starting a discussion is really the first place we have to kick things off if we're gonna make any type of progress Mm -hmm. in this world but you're always there you're always at the marches and you're you're always performing at at pretty much every single rally (laughs) here in in columbia and on the courthouse square yeah where does that come from for you? Where where does this the the fire to to make a statement and put yourself out there in that way and make yourself vulnerable in that way? Where does where does that come from for you? Um I it's it's something that I've always done with my music is I've tried to reflect upon what's happening. I mean, I think that's what, you know, I um good songwriters do is they reflect upon what's happening in their world. And for me, I just, I I think it's important if I have a platform to use it. And, and if I have that opportunity to maybe just shed light on an, on an issue that some people are not thinking of, or just maybe, maybe make people think about something differently and see it in in new light and new eyes. Um, Music is so powerful and it has this way of, conveying a message that talking doesn't it's a it's a frequency that can really physically change people and it can really physically open minds and so to me you know if if there's not an if there's not music at an an event like that I feel like there's something missing because it there's so much more power just in the in just in playing a song than a speech I think I really ever could do. Um, you look at artists that have made big artists, national artists, global artists that have made a difference. And a lot of them, you know, you look at the music that they're making and that's what they're doing there. They're just, they're reflecting upon what's happening globally. And, and that is, a, you know, when artists or when um, audience members can hear that, then they see them and feel themselves reflected in that music and that empowers them too to speak up and speak out and find what they need to do to, to also, or sorry. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just find, just find another start, another place to start at and to wrap it up. 
just a closing statement on that. Or I can I can come in. I believe that music has the power to to bring peace and it has the power to unite and it has the power to heal. And I think right now more than anything, that's what this entire world needs. And so I think that if your music has something in it that is going to help to heal even one person, it's worth sharing. And so I will always share my music if it can reach somebody and it will help them to navigate this crazy world we're living in. That is so awesome. And what's cool, even at the last rally, we're really bringing people in. Yes. It was yeah. in, instead of, you know, the band playing at the mm-hmm. last one, you brought just a whole group of women that yeah. were just and like chanting was... and singing. It was, it was almost, you know, from, it was, it was, so, it was songs and it was music, but it, it felt like, uh, it really started the, the true chants of the march. And yeah. Everything. Yeah. I really wanted to do that this year. You know, it's, it's not about me. It's about the message. It's about the music and what the music can do. And so, and that's what, you know, Jane Doe is about is just get as many people in on it and just feel that. Just, just be in a space where you're creating something beautiful together and you're able to put that out and people react to it. And like I said, they will be inspired and they feel moved to then do the same. And that's how we can make change. Well, we're getting close to wrapping up here, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk about our project that we had together. <laughs> there was a while there where Violet and I were had an act called Overton Landing, mm-hmm. and the concept was pretty much Violet's at the end of the day in terms of where we, the focus now, what I'm trying to say is uh, uh, we met at a wedding of two friends, uh, Lisa and Shayla. And we were like, hey, why don't we play a show together? And we played a few songs together and realized that we actually harmonized pretty well. And we started moving through things. And Violet came up with the idea for Overton Landing, which really focused on a lot of stories in Mm -hmm. the Overton Bottoms that just right across the river from Rochport where I live. It was almost kind of a a center point between Rochport and Lupus in all actuality, which Mm -hmm. was another kind of interesting angle to it. But tell me a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about, uh, was it Fred Early? Yeah, Fred Early. A lot of the stories, the songs, came from this book that it told a lot of folktale stories, essentially, Mm -hmm. of the area. Yeah, Fred Early grew up in Overton Landing. He lived there for, um, really, I think just the first part of his life. When I think he moved maybe when he was like mid-teens, but he had a lot of stories to tell, and um, and he was a great storyteller. And so, bringing him back to Lupus, that's where I first met him. He um, before he passed away, oftentimes he would tell one of his stories in the middle of the intermissions of the shows, and there's a. Um, a local uh, writer, Meredith Ludwig, who helped to get these these stories on paper and turn them into a book. And um, yeah, so that was when we had started that project. Um, I, you know, I feel I don't remember what the timing was like, but I feel like Fred had passed away. He passed like right around the time that we were just yeah, starting. And it was just, just after we had decided to mm-hmm. call it Overton Landing. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe I had written like one song. Um, inspired by the by the book, because the book was put out before he had passed, and then, um, and then he passed, and then that felt even more important to, you know, try to make some of these stories and in, into songs and and just tell those stories. And when it wasn't songs about 
Overton Landing, it was other songs that you had written as duets mm -hmm. about your parents' relationship. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved the <laughs> stuff that we, we did. I really enjoyed that time. And I, I realized we don't really do that, do it anymore just because we're so crazy busy. I mean, yeah. you, you heard, dear listener, how 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 much <laughs> how many plates that Miss Violet Vonderhaar is spinning, but she's spinning them all very artfully, and it's just so great to watch you work in this world, Violet. And we need more Violets in the world, Aww. people that are not only creating really meaningful music, but making meaningful change in the world. And thank you, thank you for being thank here you. on the Big Money Music Hour, and thanks for being you. Thanks for having me. Man, I had such a great talk with Violet that day. She's such an inspiration. And before she left the KBIA studios, I asked her if she would play us a song. Playing original music, this is Violet Vonderhaar with Feel This Way on the Big Money Music Hour. I can't see the stars because the sky's too dark tonight. And I've been asking around if anybody's got a I've been searching in the dark But I'm afraid of what I will find And I just want to know If we're gonna be alright And that's okay Yes, that's okay Yes, it's okay
Just so beautiful. Thank you so much to Violet Vonderhaar for being our guest on the fifth episode ever of the Big Bunny Music Hour. Y'all may have noticed it was an all-female lineup, or at least female-fronted lineup of music that we played here tonight, and I did that in honor of Violet. It was our own Big Muddy Jane Doe review this evening of just fantastic artists. I'm glad you tuned in. I'm out of time here, folks. I really got to run. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And on behalf of KBIA and LV Creative, this is Colin Laveau, the shameless voice, signing off. The Big Money Music Hour, presented by Les Bourgeois Vineyards, is produced by LV Creative and KBIAFM, an NPR station broadcasting from Columbia, Missouri. The show is hosted, written, and edited by Colin Laveau. Theme song written by Pat K. Outro song written by Crypt Trip. Videographer is Matt Matlack of LV Creative, co-produced by Kyle Felling, Mike Dunn, and Alicia Laveau. For more Big Money Music Hour content, be sure to subscribe to the Big Money Music Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts.